Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast presented by First Federal. It's Thursday, September 29th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Plenty going on with the Chiefs as they prepare to play the Tampa Bay Bucks. There is the aftermath from the stunning loss to the Colts last weekend that we need to discuss. Also, a growing injury report. Hello, McCole Hardman and Mike Dana. And there's the date with Tom Brady and the Bucks team, which has several players back from the Super Bowl victory squad that beat Kansas City two years ago. One of them, defensive lineman Shaq Barrett, believes the Chiefs offensive line, which got torched in that Super Bowl game, hasn't improved a bit. You'll hear from him in today's show. Star columnists Vahe Gregorian and Sam McDowell, along with beat writers Herbie Teope and Jesse Newell, lead the conversation. The show started as a Sports Beat Live. Let's get started. Hey, good morning from Kansas City. Welcome to Sports Beat Live, our weekly conversation talking Kansas City Chiefs with folks in the media who know them best and with you. We're presented by First Federal. And on today's show, we've got a full house of Vati Gregorian, Herbie Teope, Sam McDowell, and Jesse Newell. And um, talk Chiefs with us. Send us your questions and comments, and we will address them. Um, so let's let's kind of get to the news of the moment, and we'll go to Jim Cantori, also known today as Herbie Teope. Herbie, what what is the latest um, on the, the the game status for Sunday Sunday night football at Tampa Bay? Uh, Hurricane Ian just went through there, and they're in the process of cleaning up. What have you heard about the uh, about the game and what might happen? Well, as of Wednesday, the Chiefs still haven't heard anything, but the NFL came out and said, look, you know, as of Wednesday, everything is still on track. You can either play in Tampa, and if Tampa is not available, then they will play in Minneapolis. From looking at some of the news reports today, it looked like Tampa was spared. So I don't don't know what the infrastructure is, if they had to divert attention or some of the medical staff and even law enforcement to other areas of Florida that were affected. We don't know that yet, but the NFL is going to take this up to the last minute. Andy Reid said on Wednesday that they should know in the next quote, couple of days, end quote. So that should take you to Friday. So I, I, I suspect we will know something hopefully either today or, or at the latest Friday, if the chiefs are going to be in Tampa or Minneapolis. I, I would think that because of all the speculation, if the game doesn't move, that's, they're going to have to announce that, right? I mean, you, we'll get a, uh, you know, if only from Tampa media, that the game's going to be played uh, at uh, Raymond James Stadium, uh, if that's what they're still calling it, at, uh, on, on Sunday night. And there's a couple of other things in play as well, Blair, because you have to consider it's not just the the media or excuse me, the, the print media that, that has to get set up. It's the TV stuff that has to get set up. Normally for a televised game, uh, the TV truck needs at least 48 hours to get in place because they got to do a parking power test. They got to do a satellite uplink test. So a lot of this is really going to depend on how Hurricane Ian affected a lot of the power grids in that southern Florida area. I'm confident it has nothing to do with the print media. That the, the timeline <laughs> is not swayed by us one iota. I think your confidence is well founded. Oh, back in the day, though, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, back in the day, it was get on the phone. When when can y'all get here? You know, it was <laughs> not that way anymore. All right, great. Um, 
Uh, oh, let, let's do injuries too, Herbie, while we're at it. Uh, inter- interesting injury uh, sheet for the Chiefs, the first one that came out on, on Wednesday, uh, included such uh, players as Mike Dana and McCole Hardman, Chris Jones, Ronald Jones Jr. That's an interesting topic that we'll get to. But tell us what uh, what did Andy Reid say about these guys on Wednesday? Well, the good news, let's start with the good news first. The good news is Harrison Bucker, their kicker, who hasn't played since week one with that left ankle sprain, did return to a limited practice Wednesday. Uh, Jesse and I were out there on the practice field. We, de- we did see him alternating kicks with their new practice squad kicker, Matthew Wright. So, you know, and, and as Andy Reid says, we'll see how this goes leading up to Sunday's game. But having him back on the field is an encouraging sign after the Chiefs special team snafus in week three's loss to the Indianapolis Colts. McCall Hartman, Andy Reid says he's been dealing with the heel injury and they're going to shut him down. They shut him down Wednesday. And Jesse asked Andy yesterday, you know, how, how much has this affected him over the years, or excuse me, over the, the season? And Andy Reid said, yeah, you know, it, it has affected him. And so that might explain why McCall Hardman only has seven catches, 67 yards, touchdown on 11 targets. He hasn't been 100% healthy. Mike Dana still hasn't practiced and suffering that calf injury in week two. Ronald Jones was sent home with an illness. And then obviously Chris Jones, who was not spotted on the practice field, but the injury report showed that it was not injury related. So that could mean a lot of things. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling was also limited in Wednesday's practice with an abdomen injury. A lot of things for Chris Jones. Give us an example of what it could mean. What, what's a possibility there? When I say not injury-related, it could mean it's a personal matter. You know, maybe, maybe he had to go home and excuse for personal matters. Sometimes it would say that, but, you know, when you see not injury-related, of course your head starts to wander, especially uh, in the wake of what happened in Sunday's game, uh, you know, when – he, he got the unsportsmanlike penalty, but I don't want to speculate without knowing for a fact what it is that, you know, why he was excused for a personal matter. Okay. All right. Um, so let's look back at, before we talk about the Bucks. you know, when, when we do our show after the game, it's you know, within a couple hours after the, you know, after the clock hits zero and we try to cover as much ground in those uh, on those shows as we can, uh, we 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 have heard from Andy Reid and, pl- and and a handful of players after the game. And when it's a road game, you guys, <clears throat> you know, you, you've talked to players in the locker room as well. Same same with home games, but um, but but it's it's hard to get a, a, a kind of a full report on on what happens after a game. Well, this was such an unexpected outcome. The Chiefs losing uh, as a what five and a half or six point favorite in Indianapolis, and there was a lot to talk about. And we we try to get to as much as we could after the game, but there some you know, some other things have come up in the you know in the aftermath of that, or, or we were able to more fully examine some of the issues that that the Chiefs had. And Sam, I know you, you you've written about the the, the I'm, I'm thinking of course about clock management. We didn't talk much about it after the game and how the Chiefs left you know, almost a minute uh, on, on the clock or let a minute run off. And I, I just thought in, in hindsight, what a kind of a significant deal that was. And there was so much, you know, I was curious about after the game, Chris Jones and um, the, the, the special place, snafus, as Herbie called them, that I didn't think as much about this, but uh, we should have probably spent more time on it. Yeah, man. So it's, it's late in the game whenever the, the Colts converted 
a first down at the 12 yard line, there's about a minute and nine seconds left in the game. And the Chiefs should have called timeout. And they had three of them. And the Colts uh, are wasting clock. They burned 36 seconds off the clock there. So the Chiefs end up getting the ball with 24 seconds left. Now, um, Jesse's boy, Isaiah Pacheco, takes off a lot of that clock on the kick return. Um, but they could have had 36 more seconds. And by the way, the Chiefs got inside Colts territory on that drive. And so you wonder what they could have done with 36 seconds left. They also still had two timeouts. And it's, you know, the way I phrase it is there's a lot of these decisions. And I mean, Jesse and I are constantly analyzing them in real time in the press box on fourth down decisions to where, you know, Andy Reid has cited this year that there's a gut feel to some of that. He, he has Mike Frazier, an analytics coordinator in his ear, but some of it is a gut feel. And we asked him about the Chargers not going forward on fourth and goal. And then again, I asked him post game about not going forward on fourth and goal against the Colts. And he cites those types of things that I just mentioned. This is a situation that it's it's 100 times out of 100. You know, it, the way I phrase it in, in the column is it, it's more black and white as opposed to the gray area that some of those other ones have because there was no chance that the Colts were going to run out of time when they were trying to score from the 12-yard line with over a minute left and two timeouts. They signaled that by the fact they're trying to burn time. And when the other team's trying to, to burn time, you only have one way to stop the clock on defense. As many ways as you have to stop it on offense, there's only one on defense, and it's to call timeout. And I think it's a big gaffe that should have been corrected long before kickoff. Um, so those situations appear. We saw it appear last year against Cincinnati, same sort of thing to where I, I think you should play it the same way no matter what. Um, there's, it, it, it's not a gut feel scenario. And, you know, these are situations that can cost you wins and losses. And who knows, it, it potentially costs the Chiefs a chance to at least send the game to overtime. I want, want to quickly chime in and, and uh, reiterate that this really was in real time from Sam McDowell. I mean, uh, turning and, and uh, making the very point that um, they should be calling timeout right then. It also makes me think there's a place inside Andy Reid's helmet for you, Sam. Um, I'm sorry, Andy Reid's headphone for you because uh, uh, I, I, as much as I hate to say this with you right here, you're pretty right on a lot of this stuff. I, I appreciate it, but I will say he's got that guy in his, in his headset already. I know, it's, but he's I, apparently not winning the arguments. Yeah. I think it's a little bit troubling that it's not been enough um, to persuade him to still, you know, do the things that the math shows he should do. So a couple things, if Isaiah Pacheco is going to be my guy, I'm at least going to tell you he caught the kickoff at the three-yard line, okay? So maybe you can let that roll. If that thing rolls and falls at the one-yard line, we're all telling you how Isaiah Pacheco is an idiot for not returning the ball. By the way, they also got a penalty off that play, which moved him to the 30-yard line. And if you're down uh, three points with 26 seconds left, you need some crazy things to happen, high variance. So a kickoff return is one of those high variance things. So – if I am going to defend Isaiah Pacheco in any way, he's not really my boy, even though Sam tries to make him my boy. I will say a dribbler on the three-yard line is one you're probably going to have to pick up and run uh, no matter what. So we'll start with that. I think the biggest thing, Sam, what you're talking about is we are humans. There's too much to process in the moment. There's too much for Andy Reid, for any one individual to process. That's why this is a process over result thing. This is the discussion you have in May, June. 
July. Hey, this affected us against the Bengals. How are we going to handle this in the future? Who can be on the head side that can only be his only job to say, hey, we've studied this in the offseason. If this happens, then this happens. And so the fact that this has affected them in the past and it affected them in this game and they still didn't learn from their mistake, it's not a result that they lost the game because of it. It's a process. Why is that not being discussed beforehand so they have an answer for this when they know it might come up in a game? This is the NFL. I mean, all these small things we talk about, how many different plays can we talk about right now? The Chiefs do this different and they win the football game. This is a small thing that could have won the Chiefs the football game that should have been discussed way back last spring. It didn't get discussed. It didn't get talked about or and or Andy Reid overruled that. And that, you know, it's not the reason the Chiefs lost, but it's not the reason they won either. So uh, that's kind of the main point of this is that there's a lot of these small type decisions that could impact games that Andy Reid is not making the right decision on. I'm not really blaming Andy Reid in the moment because it's tough to do as a human. I'm saying they need to have a better process in place so that he's helped with that decision and he doesn't make the wrong choice every time as seemingly he's done so far. Listen, a really interesting point. It goes back to that. Uh, Sam referred to it in his column as the, you know, Andy Reid's sixth sense and gut feeling and look, he's had a pretty good track record, but I think you guys are right that there's my impression is that there's some stuff being it's not that they're not preparing ahead of time. It's as being overruled in real time because there's no way that these sorts of things are left to chance with uh, within the, the the highly organized, highly structured uh, culture of the NFL to begin with. And I think we know that Andy Reid is that way, too, that his staff is that way. So I it would be amazing insight to be able to see what the blueprint is before it's actualized and then the process by which it gets untangled and and often in ways that work out but but as we're talking about now sometimes in ways that defy logic yeah i mean they definitely discuss this up in the off season and and we see that you know it's not just mike frazier it's it's joe blameyer the wide receivers coach that runs a lot of these meetings i mean um, he ran basically the exact scenario against the Bills last year, um, you know, with 13 seconds left, which was a kickoff that was a touchback, by the way. Um, you know, they, they have these scenarios set up throughout the offseason, which is why I do think it's a little bit more alarming that I, I anticipate they covered what happened in that game and still didn't uh, utilize it the proper way. Well, just as uh, uh, I'm sure – Buffalo uh, spent uh, a, you know some time in the off season discussing what to do in the situation at the end of regulation that uh, you know that, that cost them the the divisional round game against the Chiefs uh, this you know last year. Um, but I, I remember thinking as I as I'm watching the game and the seconds are ticking off in the in the final minute that I'm wondering why he's not calling a timeout why the Chiefs aren't calling a timeout and. and and I'm sure, I, you know, I, and then in the next moment, I'm still thinking about what Chris Jones did a few minutes earlier and, and uh, other other things that happened to the Chiefs in, in that game that, that that created the the losing situation for them. Dan asks, um, you know, was it just a bad kicker on Sunday or did the Colts show how to beat the Chiefs? Uh, we always talk about that. It seems like in each of the last four or five years when, with Mahomes as a starting quarterback, we we find, uh, you know, we take a loss and, and ask if if this is the blueprint to beat the Chiefs. I'm not sure this is a blueprint situation uh, because of all the things that happened uh, to the Chiefs. I just say real quick that there was there was a lot under the Chiefs' control that they 
mishandled, right? I mean, from the very point we're making right now to let's just look at the first three or four minutes of the game. Um, it, when obviously we've talked a lot about Sky Moore dropping that punt, but that that was something from which dominoes fell, right? And and then if Patrick hits MVS on that what would have been a seventy-six yard touchdown pass, that changes everything. And there were. You know, it's easy for us to sort of remember the six, seven, eight things like that that were pretty pivotal. But there were probably another 10 things like that that I think you could say. Um, I mean, obviously, credit to the Colts. The Colts won that game. But the Chiefs, the Chiefs did many things to to help the Colts win. And I don't think all those were caused by the Colts. So Kevin Cole does some great work at Pro Football Focus. Uh, I know the Chiefs fans didn't think so last week when he came out with what was called an adjusted score, but he basically looks at some of the stuff that is more sustainable in a football game and some of the stuff that's more, for lack of a better term, lucky, and you get an adjusted score based off of it. So the Chiefs against the Chargers did not win that adjusted score. It doesn't matter because the Chiefs won the game, 2-0 in the standings. You will take the win no matter how you can get it. We go to the adjusted score for the Colts. Chiefs were expected to win by five points. So it tells me that... How are you felt about the Chiefs going into the Colts game? You really shouldn't feel much differently going out of it, unless we want to talk about some of these game day things, some of these small decisions. But I think what's not sustainable is the special teams. I mean, that's not going to happen again. Not under Dave Tobe. That was a once in a Dave Tobe era performance. I just, it lost him the game. It's unfortunate, but I just, I have confidence that that's not going to happen week after week after week for the Chiefs. Obviously, Butker coming back would make a big difference. The offense was probably better than we give it credit for. Obviously, did not rush much, but did better in the passing game, I think, than what we would maybe assume just because there were limited possessions. Had broke off at least a big play with Juju Smith-Schuster, had a couple passes to Travis Kelsey. Uh, Mahomes had some scrambles, those sorts of things. I, I think maybe what we're kind of overlooking here is the defense because uh, defense, great performance. This, the Chiefs are probably what I thought they were before last week, but they are that because they are better defensively than I thought and not quite as good offensively as I thought, but that's sort of, balances each other out and then i think special teams is never going to perform like that again so i think the chiefs are fine overall i don't think that was a blueprint i think the colts were pretty lucky to beat the chiefs and i think we saw that but um on the other end of it you know looking ahead i think the chiefs are still one of the top two three four teams in the league and that puts you in a position to potentially win the super bowl so that's exactly where we're going to be too okay hey let's take a break and we've got to talk uh several other topics uh, when when we return. But let's hear from First Federal Bank. When I bought my first home, I was searching for listings and negotiating all on my own. Now I'm back in the housing market and I could not imagine doing that again. But then I found First Federal Bank of Kansas City's expert loan advisors at ffbkc.com. They were kind, knowledgeable, and available 24-7. My loan advisor answered my questions and helped me feel confident all the way through closing. I trust First Federal Bank because they understand banking is personal. Apply today for a home loan at ffbkc.com slash homes. First Federal Bank of Kansas City. Member FDIC Equal Housing Lender. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. 
We're back on Sportsbeat Live, talking Chiefs with Vahe Gregorian, Sam McDowell, and Jesse Newell. Um, Brian notes that um, salt in the wound that Tommy Townsend won Special Teams Player of the Month after that Special Teams dumpster fire. It is kind of interesting. Um, Dan asks if uh, would the Chiefs have a better chance to beat the Bucks if the game was in Minneapolis rather than Tampa Bay? Um, any thought on that? I, I, I would think just you know n- neutral field. But to be honest with you, the this will be the third time in three years the Chiefs have played in Tampa, and they really have all been somewhat neutral fields because the the other two occasions were in tw- the 2020 COVID year where I think there were 24,000 at the Super Bowl, and I, I, I don't know what the attendance was in the regular season game. None of us were there. Um, but they, they haven't had a full house in in Tampa Bay since, in you know, at least the previous two times they played them, and, and – uh, if they played Minneapolis, obviously a, a, a neutral field. Well, I think one thing, you know, we call it a neutral field, but Sam and I were talking about this yesterday. I mean, if that's played in Minneapolis, it's a Chiefs home game. I mean, there not only is it going to be, uh, I think, complicated and secondary to Tampa fans to get to Minneapolis in this instance, but, I mean, this is, suddenly becomes a, 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 a drivable game for Chiefs fans that maybe don't get to go uh, to too many home games what or, or ones that are always going to home games. I, I think it would be a, a, a pretty profound Chiefs home field. I, you guys may disagree, but I, I really feel like that. I saw a tweet from BetMGM that if this game moves to Minneapolis, they are canceling all their previous bets on the Chiefs-Bucks game. So that answers it to me. Like that means your line is going to switch about six or seven points probably. So – uh, I mean, that from the people who make the odds to basically come out and say, if this game changes locations, we are throwing out the bets you made before. That tells me that uh, they're expecting what you're expecting, Bahe, if this thing gets moved to Minnesota. They're expecting a, a complete Chiefs home game. What is it now? What did the line open? Jen, I think it opened at Chiefs two and a half. I think I got down to Chiefs by one. Um, have you guys seen anything lately other than that? Yeah, it's one on some sites and one one and a half on others. And typically now, you know, because back in the old days, it used to be three points to the home team. You know, you'd set the line and get three extra points to the home team. Now it's usually about one and a half. I mean, home field advantage in the NFL isn't nearly what it used to be. You've got to consider you might multiply that by two if you do consider this a, a Chiefs home game. So it might be more like three if it's one and a half and then one and a half again. You know, both teams coming off of really disappointing losses. Chiefs, I think, just based on the opponent more so than uh, than Tampa. Uh, the fourteen uh, odds, fourteen to twelve score in um, uh, Packers over Tampa Bay last last week. So, yeah, one of the interesting things about the line, Blair, is the uh, over under is forty four and a half. And so I looked that up because that struck me as just such a small number. And according to Stathead, it's the lowest over under in the Patrick Mahomes era other than one game. And that was a 2019 Denver game at Arrowhead. And I think we all remember that was the game where there was a blizzard before that morning of the game. So snow was covering the field throughout the game. It's the only game that's had a lower over underline than than this Tampa Chiefs game. And heck, both defenses, I think, are, are pretty good. Um, so that plays into it, but both offenses aren't what we thought they were, at least not so far. Absolutely. Hey, so Brian asks if we had any thoughts on Shaq Barrett's statement about the Chiefs online. 
I'll tell you what. Let's all hear Shaq Barrett and when he he was asked about online O line, and here's what here's what Shaq Barrett had to say uh, about the Chiefs' offensive line when asked if he sees improvement from the last time they played, which was in the Super Bowl. Hey, Shaq, from, from what you've seen uh, in these first three games, how different is this Chiefs offensive line from the one you guys faced in the Super Bowl two years ago? Uh, I think they, I mean, <laughs> I really don't think it's too much of a difference. I think we have a lot of favorable matchups. I think we have an opportunity to really dominate the game as long as, uh, like, I just think, yeah, we, we got an opportunity to really impose our will uh, as uh, pass rushers, as rushers, uh, this game. And we could really have a like a coming out party. Cause I know we had six sacks uh, the other game, but we could really have a coming out party as uh, edge and as uh, edge defenders in the position group for this game. Well, that, I enjoyed that, to be honest with you. There's, there's some honesty from an NFL player you don't <laughs> often hear. Uh, honesty. He, you know, this, he told us what he felt. He didn't. Uh, he didn't try to hide it. He knew, knew he was speaking on camera to reporters. So, Sam, what'd you think? Um, I agree with you. First of all, I, I think we should applaud anytime a player says what he actually thinks. I'm surprised <laughs> that's what he actually thinks because this Chiefs offensive line looks nothing like it did in that Super Bowl. Shouldn't say nothing. There's one similarity, and that's Andrew Wiley still plays right tackle. They changed over everything specifically because of that game. And by the way, there are some metrics, including ESPNs, that rank the Chiefs as the best offensive line in football going into this year. Um, they had their they've had their struggles in their first and actually not week one, but in week two and three. Um, opposite, you know, in week two was the pass uh, blocking. Week three it was the run blocking. Jesse got a little bit into that uh, this morning on the article on Trey Smith, um, but. What interested me was uh, we found out about it. You know, some of us were on Twitter looking and see that quote during the Chiefs availability yesterday. And luckily, Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride asked Patrick Mahomes about it. And I thought Patrick Mahomes had been pretty expansive throughout that press conference. And suddenly he got really terse with that answer. And so I actually even went back and looked at his answer to that was six seconds. That was twice as short as any other answer he gave. And so I told more than twice as short as any other answer he gave. So I told Vahe as we're sitting there watching it, I had wondered if it was too long ago for the Super Bowl to play a factor in this game. And Shaq, Shaq uh, Lawson Barrett, Shaq Barrett basically just handed Patrick Mahomes a reason for that game to suddenly weigh into this one. And I just don't know that that's a really wise decision. Um, I also went back and looked at Patrick Mahomes' record and these sorts of uh, revenge game possibilities. When he plays the same opponent within a two-season time span, he's only lost twice uh, to teams he's previously lost to. Uh, he's 7-2, and two, but both losses, he's taken the team to overtime. So he's not lost in regulation in the nine times. And the two losses, I think we'd all remember those. And sorry to – to the Chiefs fans watching that I'm bringing these up again. But one was the AFC Championship against the Patriots. Never got the ball in overtime in that game. And then one was the AFC Championship against Cincinnati last year. The only two games he's lost where he's lost the that, you know, last time he faced that particular team, it was also a loss. I'd just like to add that – oh, go ahead, Blair. 
No, I was just going to say that that's I, I didn't realize that. That is that's very interesting. Go ahead. Um, no, I'd just like to reiterate that I, I hope the Chiefs will uh, appreciate that candor enough to try to acquire him at some point so that he can be someone who regales us. Also, I had heard the clip, but I had not seen how animated he was and almost mocking in his in his demeanor. And I, I kind of thought, you know, it would have been enough to speak about if you just worked with, you know, oh, we have favorable matchups, right? We would have pounced on that. But then it's impose our will. He's got to add coming out party in there. I mean, it's it's pretty good stuff. And I think quite handy for the Chiefs. Every, every, cancel out everything I said and just replace it with Vahe saying, please acquire that guy so we can have him <laughs> in the locker room. Well, I like how... Well, I like that he he thought about being diplomatic at the beginning, and then he just laughed and said, "What the hell? I mean, this is how I really feel." And, uh, and he has to be. It really has to be pointed at Andrew Wiley, right? Since he's the only returning player from that. It, 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 I did ask Andrew Wiley about this as well, um, just to make sure I don't butcher what he said. Um, he said he does that a lot. He talks a lot, so I'm not surprised. Um, we're going to come out there with something to prove a little chip on our shoulder this week. That's all I got to say. Um, but I, I, I did preface it by saying, hey, Andrew, the messenger on this, but I just want to read this as it is. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe maybe Shaq Barrett and, and, and Mahomes will find themselves on the ground together, and, and then they'll get up, and Barrett will like, get in Mahomes' face and you – know, <laughs> Say something that none of us, you know, ever find out what it is, and get an unsportsmanlike conduct, and that'll help the Chiefs uh, on, on Sunday. Uh, and they'll what, trade jerseys after the game. <laughs> what a host we have to pull those situations together somehow, Blair. <laughs> oh man! Well, you know, look, um, uh, we, we we don't predict scores here. I I think often as a group, we always kind of feel that the chiefs have an advantage and, and they should win, but this is a game that, you know, they're not the favorite uh, going in. So uh, what, what's the feeling here? Uh, let's just say the game is played in Tampa. It doesn't move to Minneapolis. Um, both teams coming off of tough losses. So what, what's the general sense here? I'll, I'll go first. I actually think, I think Tampa Bay is going to get enough of their guys back this week who have been injured. And I, I think Tampa Bay wins a close game. How about uh, let's go down the list. Bye. What do you think? I think, you know, it's going to come down to the end. I really think so. And I, I but I think, I think the chiefs will find a way to win. I, I just, I feel like there's between the freshly incentivized Mahomes, who by the way, would already be incentivized after that game. Um, and I think so many of the things, them knowing so many of the things they did were self-inflicted and cost them this game. I think they'll be sharper. So I think they'll pull through. All right, Jesse. Well, real quick, the Chiefs are favored um, in this oh, oh, five oh, points. Oh, so okay. it is the opposite way. So you're actually picking the upset, Blair. Um, okay. You know, I'm, I'm standing <laughs> by it. I, uh, I have a prediction due in about six hours here, and I've gone both ways. So I haven't really decided that. I don't want to give a, a pick that I'm going to say now that's going to be different in the paper here come a couple days. But, yeah, this one really has me torn. I, I thought I had a pretty good feel for the Colts one last week to sort of overreact to Matt Ryan being terrible. And then Matt Ryan was pretty terrible, and the Colts won anyway with all these sort of fluky things. So, again, my, my mind on the Chiefs hasn't really changed that much. I think I just need to dig in a little bit more to the Tampa Bay because – it is going to depend on who they get back, you know, uh, obviously get Mike Evans back. Will Julio Jones be back? Obviously it looks like Chris Godwin's out, but I think 
Tom Brady is a guy right now that's dependent on weapons. And if he has a lot fewer of them, then I could see the Chiefs defense succeeding again in kind of an ugly game. But I guess I'll reserve that for right now and, and make it so that I can go either way still. But uh, this does seem like a competitive game. And Sunday night football should be about as fun as they get. I do think, you know, to, to stack onto what Jesse said, last week might have been a reminder of why betting is so difficult because, God, if you had the Chiefs, you're like seven points on a muffed punt. How much? How many more points did Sky Moore cost by letting another ball roll to the one-yard line? We've talked about the timeout. Situ- I mean, there's a lot of situations that the Chiefs could have covered that four and a, what wound up as a four-and-a-half-point line by kickoff. Um, I actually think that the Chiefs are going to win. Um, I, I do – I just told you guys that this is the lowest over under besides the snow game. And I actually think that I'm more confident in saying the game's going to finish under um, than I am in picking the chiefs against the line. But I think it's about a 20 to 17 game in favor of the chiefs. One, just one caveat. Steve Spagnuolo had, Nolo had a, a fantastic game last week in terms of dialing up blitzes. You can't really do that with Tom Brady. He gets rid of the ball much more quickly than Matt Ryan does. And that's going to be, I think, the X factor is whether or not this Chiefs defense has not faced that kind of test yet. A guy that wants to get rid of the ball right away. And I'm really interested to see, you know, how they hold up against that. Okay, guys, great stuff as always. And uh, we will uh, come to you again after the game on Sunday. uh, So somewhere around midnight's. Uh, to discuss what happened in the Chiefs and Bucks game. All right, for Sam McDowell and Vahe Gregorian, Jesse Newell, Herbie Tiope, and our producer, Monty Davis, thanks for joining us, and we will do it again on Sunday. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production team of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, George Howard, and Jeff Rosen, and to our sponsor, First Federal. Their website is ffbkc.com. Tip of the cap to Sam McDowell, Jesse Newell, Herbie Teope, and Vahe Gregorian for sharing their Chiefs insights. Morning Sports Edition is your one-stop shopping in a sports page. It's packed with local and national stories. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC. Sports Beat KC.